1: Welcome back, everybody, to the Important Nonsense Podcast. 32 teams in 32 days, breaking down every team in the NFL for you before we actually kick off the 2021 fantasy football season. My name is Neil Smith, joined as always by Mr. Steve Bonham.
0: Yeah, hello.
1: Oh, Steve, as a, still still August 21st here as we sit down to record this. And if anything we say sounds a little bit dated, that's going to be why. Check out the uh, wrap-up show that'll be starting uh, what Friday the fourth, I believe. Yes, and it is tentative date. Yes, tentative date, Friday the fourth. Uh, we'll update any takes that need to be updated. Going to run through any changes that have happened between when we recorded, you know, each individual team show and the start of the season. So check that out. And uh, as we always say, don't draft for Labor Day weekend if you can possibly avoid it. Uh, just so that way it gives the NFL a chance to actually lock its rosters. the The topic is jour today, Steve, is the Philadelphia Eagles, and but right before we get into that just check us out at importantonsets.com and check us out at importantonsets.com slash patreon for one dollar one little dollar you can uh, join at the lowest level of patreon and get access to our discord channel so chat with steve chat with myself chat with any of our staff uh trade questions we'll look at your team evaluate it or just anything you want to talk about fantasy football related uh we're here for you so check that out as a resource and I'm personally very excited about this, Steven. You don't say that often when you're talking about the Philadelphia Eagles. Okay, I shouldn't say that because I'm going to get a battery thrown at me. Whoops! Shouldn't say that either. But uh, but don't get to say this too much uh, for, for previous years because, it's, frankly, since that Super Bowl, it's been a lot of questionable decision-making, and it's kind of devolved into a little bit of a hot mess. So they've been living in this purgatory where they can't really win more than like eight or nine games a year, but that's been good enough to win their terrible division. So they keep trying to trot out the the same kind of experiment that hasn't worked since uh, since 2016, frankly. So this year there have been some changes. Saw a few changes last year too. So they're kind of they're kind of turning it over little by little as opposed to going with the total rebuild approach. But the reason I think to be excited about the Eagles really is Jalen Hurts. Do you not agree?
0: Yeah, it's it's Jalen Hurts for sure, and it's a it's very interesting. Because we saw at the end of last year, like, there's no more Doug Peterson. They now have Nick Sirianni who came over from the Colts. And they, they have this system put in place that should benefit Jalen Hurts. But essentially what happened was ownership was saying, okay, it's, we're going to choose, right? Like, Carson Wentz got benched for Jalen Hurts by Doug Peterson, and he went to ownership and said, okay, look, you got to choose. It's either Doug or me. Like I, am not working with Doug Peterson anymore. Fractured relationship. They said, Hey, okay, cool. Great. Doug's fired." And they fired Doug Peterson. And then Wentz said, well, you called my bluff. I'm, I want out. <laughs> so they, <laughs> so they let go of Doug Peterson. And then Wentz still wanted traded. Uh, and he ends up going over to Indy as we talked about a few weeks ago, but now it's just Jalen Hurts. It's the Jalen Hurts show, and the rumors have been out there about Deshaun Watson, but it's, it's his job. As of right now, it is still Jalen Hurts as the starting quarterback for the Eagles, and for whatever reason, maybe it's the rumors, maybe it's because of his low completion percentage, I don't know. But for whatever reason, he is being severely faded in a lot of leagues. And again, uh, faded for me. I guess is is a good (laughs) standpoint Um, because he's going at QB 12. So he's going as a starting quarterback. He's going one spot ahead of Joe Burrow, but he's going behind Matthew Stafford, behind Ryan Tannehill, behind Tom Brady, players that we like players that we think will have good seasons, but we have said it time and time again, Konami code quarterbacks are the only way to get into the top five In fantasy football. And even without being in the top five, a Konami code quarterback has a floor of about top 15. As long as he stays healthy on a points per game basis, you're essentially drafting Jalen Hurts, what I believe is his floor. So last year when he started in those three games on that pace, he was the QB three. Over those three weeks, I have him projected out as the QB five. I have him ranked as the QB six right outside that tier of top five in the same class as Russell Wilson. I think they're going to throw the ball enough and trail enough that he's going to be able to put up points through the air and on the ground. They've kind of fixed the weapon situation around him. So I feel like he's going to be good enough this season that for his current price point, Jalen hurts is a guy that I have on multiple teams as my backup quarterback. (laughs) <laughs> because he's going that late in ADP, but I feel like he's got top five upside.
1: He's a special case. He's he's. Uh, we're always looking for quarterbacks that are of value, right? And it's just the hate train has gone so far. And I think I, I think you mentioned the low completion percentage. I think that's part of it. Yeah, is he was really erratic last year, which gave some people some pause because, well, he was just really raw as part of it, and. When you're, when you're, they, they, they want you to at least be able to be more accurate than Lamar Jackson, right? And, and he really wasn't. So that caused a lot of like kind of ruffling of feathers in the fantasy community. But it was only three games he was really raw. And to your point, it doesn't matter that he was that inaccurate. He put up a, he put, he was good enough to be QB three those weeks. He moves the ball. He runs around like crazy. And he's very dynamic while he does it. So what they've really been working with him on for this season is trying to kind of like, tone it down just slightly and to really like set his feet and try and throw a little more effectively. Cause he's going to need to develop as a thrower, but he still has that, that huge upside with all the running. Cause he's so unbelievably fast and he's just so athletically gifted in that regard that you can't ignore it. So for me, he's my quarterback eight. I mean, he's the, he's the least, he's the lowest rated for me of the Konami code quarterbacks because of the inaccuracy reasons. And it's still good for quarterback eight. So if I can get him at twelve, it's fantastic, and it's he's kind of one of those guys that I'm that I'm looking at as like, it doesn't look like Dak, Dak Prescott mechanically on the field, but we were always we're always looking for guys that you can get as kind of a little bit of a value relative to their ADP that it will elevate your quarterback room, and for me, that's him this year. Is I, I'm perfectly prepared to take the risk where other people aren't because I just think the upside is so immense that you can't I can't pass it up. I wind up with Jalen Hurts a lot. I have a lot of Jalen Hurts shares for fantasy football this year, for dynasty and for, uh, for redraft. It's pretty, it's I'm, I'm pretty heavily invested. So I'm expecting big things. It sounds like you are too. So it doesn't, there's really not too much else because the backup is Joe Flacco. And I think part of why he falls in ADP too, is because there's this ridiculous rumor that Joe Flacco is going to be the starting quarterback and he's on a very short leash. Which there might be some truth to the second statement there, but I don't think Joe Flacco at this point isn't in, isn't in any th- real threat to like coming in and taking the job away from Jalen Hurts. I think he's just an insurance policy. Yep. So I'm not worried about that. And from there, I think at this point we we uh, we can go directly into uh, to one of one of your favorite topics, Steve, year on year. So there's Jalen Hurts is a great value. I think he won't, we won't crater out any of the skill position players. We think Mm -hmm. one guy, usually historically, will do a nice enough job cratering himself out.
0: Let me get my uh, soapbox real quick. Hold on. Okay. Okay. I'm ready. Okay.
1: All right. Stand up on that. And, uh, all right. I'll let you, I'll let you do your yearly proselytization on, uh, on Miles Sanders.
0: All right. I will quote workaholics and just remind everyone that if we don't learn, From the history channel, we're doomed to repeat the history channel. Okay, (laughs) because Miles Sanders is going at RB19 right now, people. What are we doing? What are we (laughs) end of the third round? Miles Sanders is going as people's RB2. What are we doing? This is the year, right? This is the year he breaks out and is a top 12 back. No, it's not. It is, it's not. No, it'll never happen. It is not the case. Miles stop, Sanders. Stop
1: trying to make fetch happen.
0: Just stop. It's
1: not it. going to happen. Just stop it.
0: Uh, projected as our running back 33. I feel like that's being really generous. Uh, I've got him ranked at 34. feel like that's really generous. It, he's just in the, in the ECR right now. Miles Sanders, again, PPR scoring as always is going RB 19 in ADP he's RB 19. It just makes no sense. It makes literally no sense. Again, you've got Sirianni coming over a new regime. So it's a, a whole new system being put in place. Not the same people that have invested in Miles Sanders and their first order of business as they come in other than getting rid of Carson Wentz is they draft Kenny Gainwell. They keep Boston Scott, they sign Carryon Johnson, who's now no team, recently got cut, and they re-sign Jordan Howard. They brought in three new guys to potentially take away Miles Sanders' job. None of, if, if you were in your day-to-day job, and they brought in three people to do exactly what you do, to see if they could possibly do it better. Would you feel confident that you still have a job?
1: I'd probably be updating my resume in the background. Exactly.
0: I would be thinking, oh no, I'm being replaced. They're looking for a way to get rid of me. That is exactly what you should be thinking about with Miles Sanders. It's the same logic that we talk about with Houston. They brought in Mark Ingram. They brought in Philip Lindsay. Now, I don't think any of those guys are the caliber of David Johnson, but it's a new regime. And they brought in those guys to potentially replace David Johnson. And you're perfectly fine fading David Johnson to the RB 40s right now. But But Miles Sanders.
1: You got to remember.
0: Exactly. But Miles Sanders, who even when he's had the full workload has been garbage, is a guy that you're still taking in the top 20. It just doesn't make any sense. Last season on a points per game basis. He finished at RB 18 in PPR and a majority of that 33% of his fantasy points last season came off of three big plays. Yep. you got like, that is what you're getting for your RB 18 in points per game. You're literally drafting him at his ceiling and you're hoping that he hits those home runs on every week. If What's you want to take him in best ball. Yeah, if you want to take him in best ball, I get it because then you get those ceiling games and the floor doesn't matter. But when you're drafting him in redraft or keeping him in dynasty, you're assuming that you can pick the weeks that he goes off and you can't. Good luck with that strategy.
1: Well, it's the most frustrating thing in the universe to watch because here's here's what you get actually watching Miles Sanders. I'll break down the actual viewing experience for you for those who haven't seen it. OK, Miles Sanders gets a carry two yards. Miles Sanders gets a carry negative one yard. Miles Sanders gets to carry three yards. That continues through the entire game, and then maybe one time he'll house it from 80 yards, and that's it. That's the whole and that. And if you don't get that 80 yard thing, you get a five for your day with Miles Sanders. Now he yeah. might th- th- pay you off, but to your point, trying to predict when that's going to happen is mad, and just completely impossible. You're never. You're gonna. You're gonna get that wrong so many more times than you will get it right that it's just not worth the headache. And so for reference, I have miles Sanders outside of RB two, I've got him at RB 29. And that's just mostly a function of how far off a cliff running back goes like so quickly, like he'll be out there and he's still theoretically like the RB one, but trying to actually roster it and, and manage it and own it is just such a nightmare mess that it's just not worth it. And it's far too inconsistent. And to your point, they're actively looking for ways to not put him out there. Yeah. So I'm, I'm just totally turned off by it. I want yeah. no part of Miles Sanders so, either.
0: To put it in a perspective for you, on rushing plays last year, and again, a majority of his work is through the rushing game because they still have Boston Scott and Kenny Gainwell, who we'll talk about in a okay, second. We'll
1: get to Kenny Gainwell in a second.
0: But Miles Sanders had 867 rush yards on 164 attempts last year with six touchdowns, okay? Four of those touchdowns came off of 161 attempts for 637. So that means on just three of his attempts, he had 230 yards and two touchdowns. That's 76.7 yards per attempt. But on everything else, he was averaging under four. And the league average is 4.2. He's a below average running back that you're hoping hits the home run. He hit the home run three times last year. And if you're just looking at his overall numbers, it buoys him up, but everything else he did was so mediocre that it doesn't matter.
1: Yeah. He's not, I'll just go back to stop trying to make fetch happen. Yeah. I think that really sums it up. Like this is not something that anyone should be interested in. And if you're listening to this, just move on from Miles Sanders in the draft, let somebody else try and draft him to be their RB two and pay up for that. If they're going to, and just, just move along because there's yep. no reason to roster him anywhere near that relative ADP. But let's talk about some of the other guys where I think it might be a little bit, a little bit less cut and dry. So you mentioned they kept Boston Scott. I would argue that Jordan Howard doesn't matter, right? Jordan Howard is really just there to be the traditional between the tackles running back if something was to actually happen to Miles Sanders. So I'm not really worried about that at all. It's not worth knowing too much about, Yeah, but Boston Scott, has been relevant in the past. He's their past catching back has been for a little while and he's been relatively effective at that job when he's not, you know, getting beat up and he's a relatively smaller guy. So sometimes he, he uh, has a tendency to kind of miss some time there, but I wouldn't call him injury prone, just small. The, uh, the, the only thing with Boston Scott though is now they brought in Kenny Gainwell who avid college football viewers will remember from university of Memphis, where he was electric in his yeah. time there. He dominated uh, that level of college football—it's such a way that he just jumped off the screen at you if you would actually sit down and watch a Memphis game. It was—it was unbelievable how how effective he was in college. So he kind of got downgraded a little bit in in the running back class he actually came out in in this year's draft, I think, because there were some really really good prospects in there. I think in in other years when it's a little thinner, he might have actually been drafted a little higher. But he also just isn't—he isn't a very big guy. By NFL standards. He's fine at the college level, but he's a little bit small in frame to play at the NFL level, but nobody can deny the hands and nobody can deny how good he is with the ball in open space. He is very good at making people miss and then outrunning you. So my question becomes is Boston Scott is not long for this world. Is this the end of it? Is it just going to be the Kenny Gainwell show here? Basically? No, no, no. I don't,
0: I don't think so. Just because you talked about it. Jordan Howard has basically been eliminated from the league. They've gotten carry Johnson uh, cut already. So it, I think it's the four of them. They stick with them on this roster. That's their depth. As much as I hate Miles Sanders and he's not good, uh, he's basically their first and second down back. It is what it is. But I still think there's a chance that Jordan Howard is the goal line back, even though he's not going to get anything other than goal line carries. like he's just the vulture. And then you have Boston Scott and Kenny Gainwell, essentially both as pass catchers. I don't think either one of them is built enough to handle a full workload, but I will say this going back to our discussion during the draft, Kenny Gainwell was behind Travis Etienne and Najee Harris as my number three prospect coming out of college. He comes from Memphis, like you mentioned, but it's the same college and situation as Antonio Gibson. You're basically talking about the same type of thing. He's just a little bit smaller than Gibson. He needs to work on bulking up, but as soon as he does that, I think he'll be fine. He'll have an established role as the pass-catching back here on this team for a while, and for me in PPR, he has a ton of value, especially considering he's going at, wider, or at running back 61 right now. He's going in the back end of the 15th round. You can have him for virtually free. And I think he's going to have enough of a role on this roster to not only damage any kind of value that Miles Sanders would have, but again, Nick Sirianni, like I said, coming over from Indy has said that Kenny Gainwell in his system is the Naheem Hines of this team, that he wants to use him like he used Naheem Hines with the Colts, a guy that we have talked about how much we love Hines and the value he provides. He's never going to be a three down back, but he will have PPR value And from a flex standpoint, week in and week out, and that is what Kenny Gainwell brings to the table.
1: Well, it's funny you mentioned that because of where Kenny Gainwell is being drafted. I am also finding myself in my mocks and in my early drafts with quite a bit of Kenny Gainwell just because he's he's part of the Sirianni regime. That's their guy. They drafted him, and they're going to use him quite a bit. And if you've watched any of their preseason games, and I know you don't want to read too much into preseason – but he's been being heavily involved because they want to see what they have. And he's been looking good. So the game doesn't look like it's too big for him. He he himself is kind of a smaller guy, but referencing the tape again, you can't argue what he was able to put out on, on tape in college. And yeah. and there is absolutely going to be a Naheem Hines role with this Eagles team. And I, I don't know. That's why I led with the question is Boston Scott not long for this world? Cause I think for this year he's safe, but if Kenny Gainwell develops into the player that he could be, Boston Scott may just be done, and this will just be more or less oh, yeah. Kenny Gainwell's job basically moving forward. I think forward. going
0: forward, he's done. But for this year, Boston yeah. Scott will still be there.
1: So I, I think both of us would be very interested in getting late-round shares of Kenny Gainwell. It's actually the thing that I'm most interested in related to Eagles running back, is yeah, Kenny 100%. Gainwell at the end of my draft. I'm not it, interested in really It's anything. not even close, yeah. Yeah, that's the one that I would be interested in taking a shot on leave everything else alone. Frankly, I want no part of it at all from from that standpoint. So that's the running back room. Big things for Kenny Gainwell, we hope. And let's just get right into it too, because they made some changes at wide receiver, and this has been a work in progress for them for a long time, right? Long-term fans will know they've been trying to turn this wide receiver room for quite a while, and they've made some strides into doing that by, well, they added some more young talent when very early in the draft, they went and got Devonta Smith out of uh, out of Alabama. So, for a lot of people, he was the number one wide receiver prospect. You could go back and forth with him or Jamar Chase. Heisman winner. Yep. Heisman winner. So, we've, we've seen Devonta Smith quite a bit in college. He was fantastic and seems like a logical choice for the Eagles as they work to kind of turn this room around. So, we'll, we'll get into him in a moment. But just to round out the room, they have Jalen Rager still, who they drafted last year. First
0: company. round pick last year. Yep.
1: First round pick last year. And they still have some of their guys that people who follow the Eagles for a while might remember because they've been fantasy relevant along yeah, the way. Really,
0: it's just Rager and then a bunch of guys.
1: Right, because they still have Travis Fulgham. They still have Greg Ward. They still have Quez Watkins. Like, they still have, you know, they, they still KJ have their Saga, old- whiteside yeah, John KJ Hightower. J.J. White whiteside John Hightower. They still have a lot of their old kind of regime of guys. But frankly, we've all seen all of those guys play football for a number of years at this point for the most part. And... None of it's really stuck and there's nothing that you really want to get invested in long term. So let's 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 circle back to Devonta Smith, because basically for a lot of people coming out, you know, where he was drafted and coming out of college. You know, the expectation for him is that he's going to come directly into the league and immediately take over as the wide receiver one. It's just a question of what does that translate to in terms of fantasy production? So how have I know you and I talk a lot about like where you'd be willing to get invested in like certain rookies. And it sort of depends on the situation and things like that. So how early would you be willing to get yourself invested in Devonta Smith in a, in a redraft?
0: Uh, right now, I have Devonta Smith in that same upside neighborhood. I've got him at wide receiver 40 around uh, Curtis Samuel, Antonio Brown, Jerry Judy, Darnell. I've got him in that. These are guys that could emerge and have big plays, but I don't want to count on them as a starter. Like Great Flex, not a guy I want as a starter. And right now Smith because he's the quote-unquote one because he's locked in to be the number 1 on that roster, he's going at wide receiver 32.
1: Yeah. And in, in
0: ADP. And that's just a little too rich for me.
1: I'm in the same boat. I have him in a relatively close price point there. I've got him rated at uh, wide receiver 44, and he's right there in that same group of guys that you mentioned with Darnell Mooney, and it's guys that, you know, they could realistically turn into something relatively quickly but you don't really want to be counting on it as like a top three wide receiver for your team Mm -hmm. so given that i will just likely not be rostering devonta smith at all yeah and it
0: depends too like again that's kind of where i feel comfortable about it but at the same time um just referencing back i'm in the middle of a couple of drafts right now and in one of them i was able to get Devonte Smith as my fifth wide receiver, he fell to me as the 47th receiver off the board. Yeah, so in, so I, in ADP, great. he's going at 32. But if, if he tumbles down to where I'm comfortable taking him, yeah, I'd love to have him. It's just he hasn't been on average.
1: Yeah, and same vote here. Where if he does fall, I'll be happy to roster him, but yeah. I'm not gonna pay sticker an, price.
0: One of those things where it's nothing against the player, but everything against the
1: Well, and it's all, yeah. And it's also, it's also too, like the reason, the other reason why he wouldn't be, he would likely be a little bit higher and I don't want to like spend too much time on it, but look, we referenced the Jalen Hurts kind of inaccuracy issues. Uh I mean, I'm expecting him to clean that up quite a bit, but that's part of the reason why you would hedge a little bit on some of these pass catchers, just because that was a thing a little bit last year. So maybe don't, don't get all the way over your skis on it would be my advice. And then Jalen Rager is the other one that I think you'd actually likely be drafting. I've got him at like 54. He's in that, he's in that neighborhood of guys who, who he, he actually tears off right around some of the guys in like those in that 50 neighborhood where it's like, I don't want him as even my fourth wide receiver necessarily, Mm -hmm. but I would be willing to take him as like my fifth wide receiver as kind of a project.
0: I have Rager at 53 and it's interesting because he's at 61 in the ECR and 63 Mm -hmm. in the 16th round of ADP. Um, you got to remember, yes, he's been replaced by Smith theoretically as the one, but he was never built to be a wide receiver one, which was kind of the knock against him all of last year. And then he got hurt. He got hurt at the beginning of the season. He was playing through an injury all year long. They feel like he's back to hundred percent now and that he's going to have a decent year this year. Again, you're talking about Jalen Rager was the one in a role that he didn't, he's not built for. And his number two option was what? Travis Fulgham?
1: Well, it, as far Whereas as wide receivers, but I would argue Greg that it's not Ward. that. It was Dallas Cotterd.
0: <laughs> but even then, he was dealing with injuries in and out of the year. I mean, it was basically Jalen Rager out there on his own with yeah. Carson Wentz playing terribly.
1: Yeah, with, with Greg Ward and Travis Fulgham.
0: Yeah. So, yeah. I, I mean, the role of the wide receiver two in Philly has been so bad for so long that we, we don't even remember what it looked like when it was good. But I think they're going to throw the ball enough and be decent enough that Rager, especially with Smith getting the primary cornerback coverage, I think Rager could have a sneaky great season for somebody that you can have for basically free.
1: And that's kind of how I feel about it as well. He's the one that I find myself with if I'm going that direction in yep. actually drafting out more so than Smith. I'm more inclined to let someone else pay for that at sticker price and I'll just pick up Jalen Rager at the end and then hope it, hope it pans out because... If it doesn't, you just cut him. It's really not much of an investment at all. And then none of the other wide receivers actually really matter, right? There's nobody else we would recommend that you draft. I mean, one of these guys might emerge theoretically, you know, down the line, right? But there's nobody that you would actually use a draft pick on out of any of that. And I think it's largely a function of what we're going to get into here now with uh, the reason for that part of it beyond just the skill level of some of those guys, unfortunately, is the tight end room which has historically been really good in Philly uh, is still is still pretty good. I mean, that we, we spent all offseason talking about, will they, won't they get rid of Zachary? It turns out the answer to that question was, won't they? So still with the team, coming back. He seems to be largely healthy at this point. So he's still going to be on the team, whether you view him as the tight end one or not, we'll get into. And then we referenced him just a moment ago. They have Dallas Goddard who for the longest time in the beginning parts of prepping for this back in like even May was being rated as like a top 10 tight end, because we see how valuable that Philadelphia tight end job has been historically. He's, you know, that's usually your number two target getter. And in some cases it was your number one target getter uh, for historical Philadelphia teams. So realistically speaking, now they're going to be sharing again and it's created kind of a ripple effect in the tight end rankings. Cause now Nobody really seems to know how to split it. Goddard's still in the lead, but Ertz has kind of started cutting back into that because he's still going to be around. So I'm going to ask you just directly, Steve, are you just staying away from this situation at this point entirely because we don't know? Or are you still willing to get involved in any of this?
0: Uh, I think I'm staying away from it. But again, this is another situation where it's not the player, it's the price where I think, Do- I think Goddard is fine, but he falls into that category of he's outside of the top five, right? He's, he's not uh, Kittle, Kelsey, or Andrews, Waller, Hawkinson. He's not one of those guys. So he's in that dart throw territory of could be something, could be nothing. And at the price point of being the tight end six off the board in most cases, Let's see, right now, Dallas Goddard is actually going at nine. He's slid a little bit, but even still, he's, he's going nine because he's just barely behind guys like Logan Thomas and Noah Fant, but he's going in the exact same area. And then, of course, people overvaluing Pitts. We, we talked about
1: that. Oh, yeah.
0: But Goddard right now is basically going anywhere between the seventh or ninth tight end off of the board, and he's going in the seventh round. So to pay that price for a guy who's splitting a job and is just a dart throw at tight end. I feel like earth's still being there really limits the potential and upside for him paying off what his current ADP is, where you can get basically the same value from a John U. Smith and Evan Ingram a Rob Gronkowski three, four rounds later.
1: Yeah. I liked Dallas Goddard a lot more last year when he was basically a waiver claim. Yeah. That's what I'll say about that. So yeah, putting in putting in like that huge amount of capital into them, it just doesn't make sense. Your team's going to suffer for it in other areas. Frankly, we've talked about this a bunch. More often than not, if I can't get one of the top five tight ends and especially the big three, I'm probably just punting it, and we'll just go into the grab bag because the grab bag will will be a lot cheaper and easier to manage. It's and yeah. you're you're in that boat with eighty percent of your of your league mates, so you'll likely be able to find stream it. Find some B level role players, somebody will break out and you'll likely be fine. I'm not trying to overpay for a guy who's who's sharing a job. And again, it's the situation, not the player. Because I have I'm fine with Dallas Goddard, the player. He's he's proven to be very serviceable in the NFL, even though he's only been in it for a relatively short amount of time. Yeah. And then there's Zach Ertz, which how the mighty have fallen, because he's in my rankings, Zach Ertz is at twenty three, and I just don't see how you can count on it. Yeah. Not really interested in Zach Ertz at this and point. And he's
0: going undrafted for free, so
1: exactly. So there's really no reason to draft Zach Ertz. And so at that point, real is there is there anyone else that you want to, that, that kind of moves the needle for you related to the Eagles? Because I think that's the, that's your main.
0: No, the, that's your main like, people. The uh, the defense is terrible. So oh, it's you, gonna be Want to avoid that for sure. Uh, Jake Elliott is a name at kicker, but I don't know if. I feel like again, it's kicker. Kicker doesn't really matter. So if you want to take Jake Elliott, sure, go right ahead. But I'm exactly. not really interested
1: in that either. Realistically, the star of the show here, folks, is Kenny Gainwell, just because of the because of the relative the relative ADP.
0: Well, no, the star of the show is Jalen Hurts because of relative ADP. Oh
1: yeah, fair enough. Fair <laughs> enough. Fair enough. <laughs> Even though I mean,
0: it shouldn't be, that it, shouldn't, it, be it shouldn't, sh- right, shouldn't be the case. You're right. It shouldn't be. It shouldn't
1: be, but it is. And so yeah, he's the star of the show. And then we'll do so hockey. That's hockey fading style. Rager.
0: Stop yeah. fading hurts and uh, Kenny Gainwell is going to hopes and dreams. If you're invested in miles Sanders. There yeah. So
1: hockey style, those are your three stars. There you yep. go. Your three stars in the game, folks. <laughs> yeah. There you go. So there you go. And uh, the, we're going to stay in the state of Pennsylvania here tomorrow for you. And we're going to talk about the Pittsburgh Steelers. So we'll see you tomorrow.
0: Music for this podcast is provided by Lee Rosevere. I'm Tim Kitzer from NBA Jam and NFL Blitz and you can find all the guys at importantnonsense.com. Kaboom!